Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. And once again, you and I are failing to grab the uh, quarantine by the horns and uh, and and just mainline movies. Um, that's not entirely true. I do have a couple of um, movies that I watched that I won't be talking about, and sure. I've watched... Um, Lots and lots of television, which will the the patrons will get to hear about. Um, I also I don't normally I, I I don't normally do these sort of like comfort movie rewatches. I don't I don't mention comfort movie rewatches yeah. like that. I just throw on because uh, I don't feel like going to sleep yet. It's usually the uh, uh, sure, um, but I will mention um, as I mentioned actually uh, somewhat recently uh, on another episode. I did rewatch. Uh, Tommy Boy <laughs> the other night, which oh. is weird, like a weird coincidence because yeah. as, of, as of this recording, we've only just uh, a couple hours ago, I think, learned that Brian Dennehy passed away after I had yeah. talked about him on the last movie journal uh, uh, and his um, stellar performance in Andron's Driveways, which is coming out in May on, on VOD. Um, so yeah, uh, rest in peace, uh, Brian Dennehy. Absolutely. Um yeah, I uh, I also have not been watching that much because, you know, I realize that this is a weird thing to be saying in the midst of such an unfortunate time. I've had su- a surprising number of job opportunities come up. Uh, that, that's so, great. Which is, it's specifically good because it's it, it could potentially take care of my summer, which I wasn't going to be teaching, probably wasn't going to be driving, and uh, my uh, teaching Italian students was probably not going to happen either. So uh, it's, I was worried, and now I'm not worried, but yeah, it does require at, some prep time. At a time when it's estimated that one out of every 10 American adults is uh, uh, out of work uh, yeah. thanks to the coronavirus, that's, that's good for you. I'm also very happy to still be um, employed. Um, uh, yeah. But let's, uh, let's start talking about the movies yeah. we watched, huh? And you know what? We'll do that in a second. All right. First, I wanted to say thank you to everybody for submitting your, uh, your top 15 movies of the 2010s. We got a lot of submissions. And At the I last was re- minute? Uh, just throughout, actually. Oh, but okay. like, you know, we've, we've done lists before, uh, uh, listener-generated lists, um, and reader, of course. And... Uh, those lists have always been, you know, I've always appreciated them, but like this one really brought out a lot of people. Uh, we got great. a lot of people saying, Hey, I'm a first time emailer, but I've been listening to you guys for 10 years. Um, and that was the other thing is that a lot of people, um, what, seem to use the sending in of their list as an opportunity to, uh, uh, be very nice about the show and what it has meant oh, to that's them. Great. And, uh, and that's a nice thing to hear at this moment. So it's very easy when you do this, as long as you have to feel like you're just speaking into a void, uh, and that you don't really know, you don't really, uh, know who listens and, and all that. And so, uh, we appreciate not merely the submissions, but also the kind comments. So anyway, yes, um, very okay. much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we're currently uh, tabulating and working out uh, ties and that sort of thing. And uh, the book will be along any day now, by which I mean, <laughs> maybe at, at the earliest half a year from now. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, anyway, okay. So yes, as far as the movies that we've watched, I uh, I guess I'm on a Kurosawa kick, David. That's a um, great kick to be on, I would say. Yeah, I uh, I finally for the first time, and despite it being on my Blu-ray shelf for. Uh, like I think two years at this point, I finally got around to watching Yojimbo. And uh, have you seen it? I've never seen it. Once again, you, you picked one I haven't seen. I'm, I'm not. I don't actually go that deep with Kurosawa. Unfortunately, I should. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Like I mean, I've seen Rashomon Seven. Like Rashomon Seven Samurai and Hidden Fortress are, I'd say, like the highest profile ones. And even then hidden fortress mostly as a function of star Wars. Um, mm. Like that's the one that's often cited. Um, but I'm glad that I've seen like throne of blood. Uh, and now I've seen high and low. And now I've seen Yojimbo. I haven't seen Ron. Uh, I think, I think that's one I'd really like to see at some point. And that's one I have seen and really like, man, he is just, he's just such a reliable filmmaker who, What's interesting about Yojimbo, so it came out in, in the early 60s, and I'm familiar, like I said, with Seven Samurai and Rashomon, which came out in the, er, in the early and mid-50s. And with the 60s, it seems that he was feeling, th- this is not going to be the right way to phrase this, but he was feeling a little bit more punk rock, um, okay. which I realized didn't exist in the 60s. But right. f- whether it be the musical score or just the way that the main character uh, is acting uh, towards other people. And just the, I guess, I don't mean to suggest that the Kurosawa is just perpetually influenced by what the West was doing, but I do think that maybe it's just kind of the way things worked out that at around the same time that filmmakers in the U S were rethinking Westerns. Uh, I think he was rethinking the samurai genre and the fact that this is loosely inspired by Red Harvest by Dashiell Hammett, like, which has a, a, a heavy dose of cynicism in itself. Um, he definitely seems to be exploring the idea of being callous, the idea of if the, this, this stoic and noble samurai who goes from place to place, that there's this romantic image to that, but it's like, yes, but what would the emotional impact of that be? Would this be someone that you actually want to talk to? Uh, probably not. Uh, and then similarly, there are moments where these two rival gangs, for lack of a better word, um, are our main character has orchestrated essentially like a rumble in the street and you expect it's going to be full of violence. And when it actually, what it actually turns out is neither side is really eager to do this. Um, and there are moments of humorous cowardice. Uh, the film has a really great sense of humor, uh, but it also just feels a little bit more hard edged. And it is like uh, Kurosawa himself is questioning the, this, this genre and looking at, and, and, sort of undercutting the, these ideas of honor and loyalty and that sort of thing. And so uh, it, it really, it surprised me. I thought it was going to, it was going to feel, it still has his his camera setups and his camera style um, and his patience. That's always a big thing, Um, but it has this other element to it. And it just feels like he's being a little bit more subversive in, in the film that he's making. And uh, I, I really love it. And David, I think you would too. And he actually brought the character back in Sanjuro, which I also own. So I'll probably oh. be watching that sometime soon as well. I didn't know that. Um, 
All right. Uh, I watched. Okay. So if you uh, listeners with good memories, uh, will remember that um, for our Halloween episode uh, in 2019, Kyle Anderson joined us to talk about Giallo mm-hmm. movies. Well, one of the movies that came up on that episode uh, is a 1972 film called <sighs> your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. Nice. Uh, and um, so uh, I actually at Kyle's prodding, watched this movie the other night and then I'm not sure when or if you'll ever be able to hear it, but Kyle and I did a, a zoom commentary on the movie. So I've actually watched it twice uh, oh, wow. uh, th- this week, but um, it's a, uh, it, so I think one of the things we got into um, on that episode with Kyle is the the sort of to the not quite the lay person because I guess the lay person doesn't even know what Jello is at all. But to the sort of uh, film fan with only a cursory understanding of, of of Jello, especially in America, we tend to think of it more in, in the horror genre, and it definitely has horror in it. One of the things one of the things we talked about is is this sort of like um often there's a mystery there's a you know there's a killer out there and 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 there's a whodunit sort of aspect to to giallo and uh this movie your vice is a locked room and only i have the key is as far as that goes is just it's a fantastically engineered and uh constructed screenplay the 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 way that it that it drops out that that it drops red herrings and the way that it uh in a way it's similar to a sort of whodunit but uh or or a take on a whodunit from last year knives out um this movie i, I can't say uh, i'm gonna call it your vice that's all i'm just gonna call it your vice so your vice um does a similar thing where like roughly halfway through i think it's a little earlier in knives out but roughly halfway through it seems like things are solved um and then it becomes like well what about this and this and you learn like I oh there's stuff there's way more there was way more going on and there was way more put in place even earlier before the movie started that we didn't even realize um and so uh, uh in that aspect it's super fun to watch it also has all you know it has the grizz the, the sort of like grizzly stabbings and it has uh the plenty of gratuitous nudity and sex that you uh, associate with with giallo it also i would say it walks i would it crosses the line i was gonna say it walks the line. it crosses the line the main the the, the premise is that there is a uh, uh um this writer who lives in a villa at the uh, outskirts of this small Italian town. And he is obsessed with his late mother and his late mother never got along with his wife. And so he terrorizes his wife. Uh, you know, he not, I don't just mean that he cheats on her, which he does, but also he has parties and he humiliates her physically and verbally in front of his guests. Um, he also humiliates their maid who is a black woman. And so the movie is like on the one hand it's like yeah this guy's not supposed to be a good guy but there's a lot of stuff in the movie where i'm like i think the movie is just being racist here you know or being misogynistic here um uh especially like where it wraps up where it's like even though his wife is like has been victimized by him there is a certain sense of the movie saying like women are crazy or like you know women can (laughs) watch out you know uh hell hath no fury like a woman scorned is sometimes an empowering statement but also kind of just means like it's a way of saying another way of saying women could be crazy and i feel like that's kind of what this movie is so it had it's definitely 
in in modern terms a quote-unquote problematic movie but in terms of what giallo was and what represented it's it's so it's so exciting it's so perfectly executed um and and terrifically well acted um by the um one thing we that kyle talked about at length um uh uh, on the commentary, which I don't know if it'll ever come out, uh, is that the the person who is top billed in the movie, Edward Gefenich, is not the lead and doesn't even show up in the movie until over a half an hour in. But there's a lot of backstory. She was a big, the biggest star at the time, and this character, you know, normally she was playing this sort of like, you know, terrorized ingenue, and here she's a much more Machiavellian, you know, um, uh, worldly character. Um, it, uh, there's a lot of there's great performances it's a lot of fun be prepared to cringe at some of the stuff that happens I- I- in the movie but uh yeah it's definitely uh really worth watching as a especially as someone who is fairly uneducated about giallo it seems like it's a pretty good way in yeah um well it certainly has a great title but so many of them do that's the other thing um and uh and and knowing what i know about giallo and yes that episode with kyle was extremely informative um the idea of having of having like problematic attitudes i'd be i feel like i'd be more surprised if they didn't (laughs) yeah yeah if it was like somehow super woke (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know just yeah that would be weird if it's oddly prescient, like a character yeah. identifies as a different gender and the other oh, one's right. like, absolutely, absolutely. And it's like, wow, this, and then of course there's the stabbing with this bright red blood, but anyway. Um, okay. Next for me is a film that I'd been hearing about quite a bit. Um, and, uh, and then I saw that it was on Netflix and I thought I'd, uh, I'd throw it on. And that was uh, Sang Ho Yan's train to Busan. Still never seen it. Yeah, um, and this is there. There's a sequel that is coming out, or maybe yes. already came out in South Korea, but is coming yeah. out here. I don't know what the what the release schedule is, but it is. It's a 2020 film officially. Um, okay, and uh, yeah, you know what's interesting is that there are not many uh, foreign language films that my students have seen and recommend. This was one of them. This is one that some, because it's a zombie movie, because it's, it's a genre. Uh, it, it seems to be one that has, uh, that has crossed, uh, crossed those lines. And, uh, I get it. I, I understand why, because it is a very, very good zombie movie. Um, it's just got a really solid premise as well, which is these characters are on a train and from one city to another, the train is headed to yes, Busan. And, uh, they get on the train right as a zombie outbreak is starting. Okay. And, uh, so they start, but, and, and the, the outbreak seems to be, uh, going faster than the train itself. And so, but then of course, one person gets on the train that is about to transform. Mm. And so they have to deal with stuff outside, but also stuff inside and the way that they navigate the confined space, speaking of confinement, like we did last week, um, it's, it just, it requires such a, I don't know, such a deliberate pacing, such a deliberate structure, certainly such a deliberate choreography um, because 
it needs to emphasize that everything is really contained while mm-hmm. also allowing enough room for these characters to maneuver and for us to feel like we can maneuver so that it doesn't feel just completely hopeless. Um, and so the action is really great. The zombies themselves, they're the sort of the fast moving zombies. This is much more 28 days later, but, um, but they are often genuinely creepy. And, uh, and the characters themselves, I found myself, I think going into this, I expected this to just be a, just a fun romp, but the film really uh, seems to be exploring some things, including the notion of, of masculinity um, and the idea and I'm not sure where I, where I fall on this, and I'm still working on what the film might be trying to do, but it does seem to be emphasizing this idea that historically the role of men is to die. <laughs> it's to sacrifice themselves uh, for the good of their children uh, and the good of society in general. Everything all right over there? Yeah, I have gotten uh, between me and my neighbor's doors, right? I, I, I can see out the front door and like FedEx, Amazon, oh, sure. you, like UPS, like there's so many deliveries coming for both of us all day. It's a weird. Uh, weird I wish that the listener could have seen what I just saw because every, cause like the, the, the face you just had is the face that you see in like civil rights movies of like someone looking out their window at like the, who, who's moving in. Uh, <laughs> it just, no. there's such suspicion. Um, but yeah. And so, so uh, listeners, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to uh, know your take on sort of what the film is, is trying to say about the role of men. Is it being critical of this? Because it also seems to be championing it at the same time. And uh and I just wasn't expecting that. It's thought provoking, certainly. Um, and, uh, and it's just a really well made film. It's one of the most successful uh, South Korean films ever. And, uh, and like I said, it, it crossed that line that so few foreign language films do, which is to say that my, a lot of my college students, many of whom are not film majors, they're just taking film classes, but they've still seen it. And so it's like, okay, so word caught on. Uh, and, and again, understandably so. It really is a, a great movie. All right. Yeah, it's been on my list for a while. All right. Um, the only other movie I watched that I can talk about uh, is a movie that is, I think, so it's in virtual cinemas uh, um, okay. this week, weekend, which I'm not entirely sure yet how that works. It's something that I've heard a lot that, that certain distributors are pairing with with actual theaters to to debut stuff online and you buy a ticket and have a screening window or something like that. But then it's also coming to VOD in general uh, in, a, uh, in a few weeks, I think. And that is, um, oh, I should have looked up how you got, Kleiner uh, Palmason's A White White Day. It's an Icelandic film um, that uh, Tyler, I really think you would enjoy. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's well, I am very white, white. So, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That reminds me of the most recent, um, vampire weekend album has a song on it called unbearably white. And it's a song about snow, but it's like, it's a little on the nose vampire weekend. <laughs> um, anyway, but, uh, a white, white day, a white, white day is, um, a, I'm going to say what the premise is, but that's not really the, the, the point. Um, it is a movie about a man who, a recent widower who 
finds out that his late wife was having an affair. But that is even me saying that is actually kind of a bit of a, not, I wouldn't say spoiler, but that that doesn't happen until longer into the film than you would think. Right. A lot of the early part of the movie is that he, um, we see in the immediate, the immediate aftermath of, of his wife's dying, he uh, moves into a new home and we see a lot of him like working on this house, you know, fixing it up, doing home improvements, uh, adding windows and, and he's being a grandfather to his granddaughter um, who's like a cute uh, kid and they have a fun like relationship. And we're mostly just seeing like a, a, a sort of a, a man who is, um, processing in a very sort of intro internal introverted stoic way, uh, this great loss. And then this other thing happens and it just, it, it seems like it's more about something happening. Uh, it almost feels like a plot device to make this guy who's, he's a, he's a police officer. He's like a, a sort of, you might consider him a very, like he's taciturn. You make him like a man's man type. Mm -hmm. And it's, it seems like almost like this, this revelation of what, of, of his wife's infidelity is almost like the screenplay forcing him to deal with her death mm -hmm. at all, you know, and, um, and deal with not her death, but his pain about it. Um, it's, uh, uh, it, it's made in this very um, sort of reserved uh, aesthetic style. Everything happens sort of like at a distance, often things even like mundane things or even like big, there's like a, there's like a big fist fight scene and they all, everything sort of unfolds in the same, like the same distance from the the camera and, and, and without a lot of like comment on the part of the director, if that makes sense. Um, and so, uh, I think that sort of mirrors how this guy, uh, Ingimunder is the character's name, um, how he deals with, with the world at, at this, at this emotional remove and even that, mm. but that only can last so long. And, um, the movie is, I'm mean, making it sound like this sort of like heavy domestic, you know, in like, emotional drama which it is but it's also like very dryly funny a lot of the time it's also the fact that he's a cop ends up coming into play and it ends up having some almost like thriller type of elements to it as it as it goes on um it's a really cool movie uh, i would definitely uh use the opportunity to check it out however you can virtual cinema or or vod in a few weeks whatever it is hmm. but yeah a white white day all right and then you've so. got one more i guess I do. A film I have wanted to see for a long time. Obviously, I could have seen it at any moment, um, but uh, I wound up watching it because of uh, a class that I was teaching. Okay. And that is Don Siegel's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh. Um, I have, uh, I've seen the 78 version, but I never saw the 56. Interesting. Um, and I seem to recall, <laughs> and I seem to recall, uh, that back in film school, you and I were in separate uh, film history classes. And so when talking about the Cold War uh, and cinema of the 50s, I think I watched Kiss Me Deadly and you watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. That yeah, correct? that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely saw it, uh, was shown it in film school. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't and, remember the context, but yeah, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I talk about it uh, in terms of the Cold War and I knew enough about it and I knew enough about the sequel that I was just like, like, well, 
I, I feel comfortable assigning this, but you know what? I'll watch along with them and we'll all have a good time. Um, and uh, have you seen the 78 remake? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. Um, I might prefer that one, but I love this movie. Oh, do we have to? No. Okay. All right. Everything's Sorry. fine. Sorry, did you hear the door open? I did, yes. <laughs> so I just got some good news about it. I, I, okay, well, I'll put a, uh, uh, put a pin in your uh, discussion sure. of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I had mentioned, I can't remember when on a recent podcast, that we keep having to go to the vet, and it's like this weird, like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah, we talked about it with Stephen Farber, like how... Yeah. Uh, um, it's a big to-do. It's a big to-do. And so my wife just got back from the vet with with Darla and it's all good. She finally got all her sutures out. Everything's healed up. She's all right. unbandaged. So, um, terrific news. We don't have to do that vet bullshit anymore during, oh, during lockdown. All right. All right. Well, so, sorry. Back to invasion exciting. of the body snatchers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely adore it. Um, I think it's a, what are you laughing at? I just watching you and uh, you and your wife interact. It's one of the cutest things I've ever seen just in general. I agree. Um, but um, yeah, so I mean, it, it fits into what a lot of people might associate with like this, like 50s sci-fi of like a bunch of people standing around and talking and then little, little bursts of suspense, bursts of action, whatever you want to say. And it is that, but it's that in just the best possible way. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, done no slouch as a director mm-hmm. um he he knows how as the characters themselves are ex, you know there's a fair amount of exposition um in the film but he knows how to contextualize it so that like yeah the exposition comes from the mouth of somebody that nobody believes um and right. that in itself and so him you know the kevin mccarthy character trying to explain things to someone yes he's explaining them to us but the fact that he's trying to explain it and we don't know if the person he's explaining it to is one of is reliable or not. Uh, so it's like, Oh, the very fact of him ex- explaining something is itself a plot point. And so I think that's, that's brilliant. And, and just the, the way that it unfolds, it's a fairly short movie. It's like, it's like an hour 20 and, uh, and yet it still finds the time to let these things unfold slowly but surely. Um, I think it ends on a on a superficially uh, upbeat note, but um, at the same time, I just really, I, I I went in thinking I knew what I was like. I knew what to expect to a certain extent, but as is often the case with a movie that is great. It doesn't matter how much you've heard. It doesn't matter how many clips you've seen. Unless you see the whole thing from beginning to end, you really won't understand why it is so good, why it is so revered, why it's been remade so many times. Um, yeah. And I know it's based on a it's it's based on something, but uh, but I do think that the remakes are more about this film than about like the original article or or the uh, short story or a seri- series of articles or whatever. Um, and yeah, just, uh, and Kevin McCarthy, I think does such a great job as the lead just playing. He's just the essence of, of reason. You know, he knows what's going on and he's, and he seems like a doctor. He seems like people come to him for assurance and he's able to give it. And then he can transition as is the case with anything like this. If the main character believes it too quick, 
then it's like, okay, they're doing that because the script needs them to. But if it takes too long, then they look dense. Uh, so it needs to happen. It needs to unfold in just the right way for it to work for us. And, uh, and I think it does. And I, uh, yeah, I, boy, I just really adore the movie. Yeah. It's great stuff. <clears throat> Did you know, um, that, um, <clears throat> Kevin McCarthy and, um, Montgomery Clift were good friends. Good I, friends. You say, yeah, I learned that from Patricia Ballsworth's biography of Montgomery Clift, which I bring up to say rest in peace, Patricia Ballsworth, who died recently of coronavirus complications. Yeah. And I, I just read that there was a, I, I hate to say it, like there was another one. That sounds a little sad, but I feel like, uh, admittedly, in, you know, Brian Denny, he did not die of coronavirus. He just was an older gentleman. Um, and so, but it's, it's, it's tough. It just feels like we're hearing about a lot more people yeah. lately. And I guess that's uh, to be expected, especially because it seems to affect older people. And so a lot of like respected actors and uh, writers and composers and that sort of thing uh, are, yeah. are passing away. And it does seem to be related to uh, what's going on right now. So uh, if, you know, just another reason to uh, stay inside, cause you're doing, you're doing a favor to, yeah. The, the people that are more susceptible to this kind of thing. So, yes, good anyway. point. Good note to end on. 